It's a beautiful day and a fine time for healing. Podcast host Randy Fine, a narcissistic abuse expert and the author of the groundbreaking book Close Encounters of the Worst Kind and the captivating memoir Cliff Edge Road, invites you into her sanctuary, a place where your physical, emotional, and spiritual well-being are all that matter. So put your feet up, relax, and enjoy today's show. And now, here's Randy. Good morning. Thank you for tuning in to listen to A Fine Time for Healing, and I am your show host, Randy Fine. Today's special guest, Deborah Silverman, a psychotherapist and astrologer, has helped thousands of people, including Sting, Madonna, Aaron Rodgers, Shaleen Woodley, and Danica Patrick, understanding to help them understand their life lessons, unique purpose, strengths, and challenges based on Jungian psychology and the four elements of water, or air, earth, and fire. While there is no one-size-fits-all approach, Deborah has developed a unique psychological spiritual model combining her expertise in esoteric or soul-centered astrology with her extensive education in psychology to help those going through major life changes, especially in crisis. She custom designs her therapeutic approach to each individual using astrology and psychology as a magical healing combination. In her book, The Missing, Missing Element, Inspiring Compassion for the Human Condition, Deborah describes human nature in a compassionate and succinct way. We are all made of four basic elements, says Deborah: water, air, earth, and fire. When we're in pain, it means these elements are out of balance in our lives. The key to be able to discern your own person personality and understand where you can strengthen the parts of your elemental nature that are out of balance. When Deborah Silverman was 20 years old, she met an astrologer who blew her mind and changed her world forever. Deborah went on to deeply study the mind and body, earning a bachelor's degree in psychology and dance from York University and a master's degree in clinical psychology from Antioch University. And her work with families, individuals, couples has her standing out in a sea of therapists, coaches. She has taught at internationally renowned Esalon Institute, and her work has taken her around the globe, practicing and lecturing all over the place uh, in the United States, London, Vancouver, Colorado. Uh, well, that's the United States. But uh, so... I want to get started. There's so much to talk about. Good morning, Deborah, and welcome. Good morning. Good morning. Thank you. You are so welcome. You are so welcome. So let's start. You know, so when you were 20, you were you had this mentor that changed your world forever. Can you tell us a, a little bit about what happened? It was uh, such a strange, it wasn't really a mentor. It was a woman who came to my house for the Jewish holidays. I was really young. I can't even remember being 20. It seems like three lifetimes ago. And she was sitting around the table and described everyone in the family better than I could have, and she had never met us before. And by the end of dinner, I was like, what just happened? So that was the first part, because I had a very eccentric, like if Woody Allen would have come to my house, they wouldn't have changed any of the outfits. Like everyone looked exactly <laughs> like those characters that you would expect. 
but they were so unique and like wild. And she described them, each of them. So we got in the car. We, I was in Detroit at the time, and we, I was going to school in Toronto at York University, and I drove back with her, and I said, I, I want to learn what you did. I was so intrigued. And then it ended up that I was in a car with her for three days from Toronto across to Alberta, and her, she was going to move, and her dad said, if someone drives with you, I will fly them home. And I was like, I'll drive with you under this condition. Will you tell me what you did? So I basically learned astrology. It's such a funny story. It's such a vivid memory, sitting in the front seat, taking notes, and her finally saying, can you just read one of the books in the back seat? I'm sick of talking. And I was like, no, because I'm an auditory learner. I don't like to read it. I have to hear it. And so I just went on and on and on, and before I knew it, I became an astrologer, and that was at the sweet age. I mean, literally, it's been 44 years I've been doing astrology. So cool. I mean, it is such it, it can be a, such an exact science. I oh, know that I had my natal chart done, and it's very, very specific. Very specific. But what I what I pride myself on is staying away from the jargon, and that's why the book The Missing Element doesn't have astrology in it because people it's so complicated for a beginner, and so I've learned to basically turn it into you know oh do you talk too much oh are you someone who's really messy oh does your kid seem to have a temper and those simple qualities get determined or described by the book the elements and then if you want to go deeper yes I have a school where I teach people how to become astrologers, and I've certified them, and I send clients to them. And, but I start, as you saw in the book, with just the elements. Yes, you did. And so, did you, you, did, so did, you, did you notice yourself in the book? No. <laughs> so you didn't relate to any one particular element? Not one particular, no. I didn't. That's um, a good sign. <laughs> yeah, I've done a lot of work. <laughs> um, yes. So you say this book is about us, wonderfully flawed, perfectly nutty, beautiful, broken-hearted, powerful us. And uh, you say that people ask how they can impact, how, how we can make a difference on this planet and in the world. And you said global change begins at home. So that's, you know, you're going to tell us through this book basically how we can make that difference because people always say, well, what can one person do? But one person can do an awful lot, right? Totally. Yeah. All you got to do is be yourself. That's the whole point is that if you were in your authentic self, when we like what you're doing, like you love helping people learn and you're obviously air and you love to think. And so here you are on a podcast communicating to people, inspiring conversation. So you can't underestimate the impact that you can have on this radio show. Like, it's, it's, it, and that's big because you're in the public. But people that are just being a mom, there's no such thing as just being a mom. <laughs> that's such a big, giant job. And you're changing people's lives every time that little person comes into you and says, I'm scared, and you put your hand on them. So it's, it's more valuing the definition of individuals being themselves fully, like releasing. It happens a lot in our school. We have a school twice a year in January and September where people come and study their chart. And what happens, I get, it happens all the time. I get these letters from their husbands saying, oh, my God, my wife is back. Like their energy comes back. Or they're more themselves as far as their artist. Or they return to their love for being able to be helpful. And they didn't know that they'd left it behind. So I basically am, I'm a fire starter is what I am. I get people excited again. And it is one person at a time. That's simple. Right. 
And I coach people who uh, have suffered narcissistic abuse in many different ways. And yeah, and it's one person at a time, really. But those people go out in the world and when they're healthier, when their minds are clear, they can make great impacts in the world. So we get them unstuck and moving forward. Uh, you say, you know, I, you said that, um, that the elders of the American Indian and Chinese cultures looked seven generations ahead as they made their, their decisions. And that as a society, we have neglected that kind of wisdom. We live more from, from what will make us happy today rather than what will bring peace to our great, great grandchildren and their grandchildren. So tell us about that. Tell us about what the difference is. I mean, I said it simply, but you can explain that. Well, you know, I'm I'm peculiar because I really, really do care about the future. So I personally spend a lot of time on my bicycle. These are simple things that I've done that's making a difference. But you can't always do this. And I have such a high value for the elders. And we and I have such a high value for the future. We just, unfortunately, our system, our, the way the mind works, is it's narcissistic. It's me, 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 me. Like the whole thing revolves around me. But mm-hmm. as soon as you start to think in the future, you realize, why do we leave the water on when we're brushing our teeth? Why do we not consider how to eat the food that's growing in the neighborhood rather than flying it in from Mexico? Like, there's so many different ways, really conscious ways, even with diapers. Like, why do we use plastic diapers? But we, we are so far away from, one, having hope anymore. So many people have given up. And so we don't really think about the implications, and we're basically narcissists. I mean, it's a funny thing to say to you, but the (laughs) human nature, by design, thinks of itself over everyone else. I mean, the extreme is, of course, the narcissistic personality, which I grew up with one of those um, who never... Yeah, it's so, it's so painful, like you didn't exist. But it doesn't. It, that's the extreme state. The minimal state mm-hmm. is, and we can all ask ourselves: Are we thinking about our grandkids? Like, we're. It's the unfortunate part, my belief, is that the human brain's design is not to support long view. It's here for immediate pleasure, and it's here for selfishness. And it takes a muscle to start to think no, I'm not going to eat this right now because I can see what it will do for me in the future so I won't do the sugar. Like all of the advanced conscious way of taking care of our grandkids or taking care of our bodies or taking care of ourselves is not natural. It's so funny. You have to really make a decision. I care enough about myself and my kids that I'm going to do the harder path rather than go for the immediate pleasure. And that's difficult unless you're awake. And then once you're awake, it's, it starts to get really fun because then you realize, wow, I can make impact by simple choices I make. The laundry soap I use, like these are things that can become very conscious. And that is the act, the act of being an elder, thinking about. And that's really what the book, I, I have always loved older people and loved listening to them. And then once I found, and I did find two or three elders in my life who were such wisdom keepers. And I thought, I want to do that when I grow up and be inspiration for younger my kids to say, don't get stuck in the old story. Think about your impact at every level. And it's changed my life. Wow. That's so cool. <laughs> That's, yeah, I literally really walk. Every, every chance I get, I walk rather than mm-hmm. get in the car. But I know I'm mm-hmm. weird. I love weird. <laughs> I well, then good. I, I feel right at home. You are you are at home. You know, 
And in my work with people, with my clients, one of the things I tell them is embrace who you are. It doesn't matter how you measure up to anybody. Um, Everything about you, good and bad, quirky and fun and whatever it is, that's you. You are that unique piece of the universal jigsaw puzzle that wouldn't exist if you weren't in it. <laughs> so if we're on the uh, same page. That's what every good astrologer should do is give you back to you. <laughs> that's exactly right. Exactly. So you use this quote, there are two types of people in the world, those who are humble and those who are about to be, which is an anonymous quote. But <laughs> why, did, why did that quote strike you? Because we've all know the people like the narcissist who they're the people in the world who don't know how to say thank you, who don't know how to consider you, who don't know how to put you in front of them. That's just the nature of the beast. And then those people, eventually you get humbled. I mean, we're all going to have to wake up at some point. I think that's true. I made that sentence up. Is it true? Some point, reality, I, I have this fantasy at the end of the movie, you get to the pearly gates and they say, can I ask you your birth date? when you were in the last incarnation, and on the screen comes your chart. And they go, okay, how did you do? And then you start describing, oh, I had two kids, and I had two marriages, and I had this job, and the, and the guy's like, wait a minute, there's one question we want to ask you. Did you fall in love? And you're like, what? And then he goes, with yourself. Did you actually have a relationship with yourself? And then you go, no. And then he pushes you over the edge and goes, okay, and we're going to try again. See you soon. So, so I really believe that the whole exercise here is, being humbled, remembering who you are, falling in love with who you are, and then being in service. It's not a narcissist. It does sound narcissistic as the astrologer would have it. Like, come to my session and I'll talk all about you. We're going to look at your chart and I'm going to describe you in detail. And people love it. It's a very ego-centered practice being an astrologer. But then the next step is, wait, wait, wait. What was the agreement you made when you came here? So I can figure out how to help you serve because it's not enough to be in love with you if you're not serving. And that's the second piece. Yes, it is, it is egocentric, but I think that it's important that we know who we are because that's a huge aspect of self-love. And I don't mean self-love in a selfish way. I mean knowing you know, who we are and what we're about so we can embrace that and then present that to the world, present who we are in, in total, in totality um, to the so world. Fun. And, yeah, and feel confident in that. Yeah. So, exactly. um, yeah, you say pain is a doorway to humility and wisdom, and there's plenty of personal pain and global pain to keep us busy. So, pain is so important in our lives. I'm going to let you explain why. <laughs> That's such a funny question. Pain is so important. Like, it's such a drag, but it's true that we learn from the hardest parts of our lives. My book sold like crazy last year during um, COVID. It went crazy on Facebook or on um, Amazon because the first chapter is called Crisis, and we all entered a crisis, and the book just went crazy. It, we are in crisis. And that is the doorway to awakening. I don't know who made that up. I don't even like that story. It makes me mad. Why couldn't we get a memo, like an email, like, hello, your relationship's about to end. Don't feel bad. It's going to come back to, you know, in your next life. You'll figure this out. Or how about, yes, you are, it's time for you to have an illness. You weren't listening to us. You need to slow down. We couldn't get you to slow down, so be prepared. That would be nice. 
But that doesn't happen. <laughs> it doesn't. There's little voices. There's little whispers. We all know when a relationship's ready, trying to end, and we all know when our bodies are feeling tired and we're just walking over our cues, but we don't really listen, do we? Um, no, we have to learn to listen. Um, I was one of those people that needed to get hit by the two by four before I went, okay, <laughs> I hear you. I hear you, you know? Um, and yeah, it took me a while before I started to listen. Once you listen, then you can really pick up on, on these kind of things. But I mean, there is, it can start in our childhood. It can start, you know, we can live a young life of, you know, where it's very difficult and very painful, but we grow from these things. So that's what I was hoping. <laughs> no, I was, no um, that's I absolutely wanted... the right answer. No, yeah, that's, yeah. that's the answer of wisdom. But I, was, I always think, wouldn't it be so wonderful if we could wake up without having to have the two by four? But apparently that's not how it goes down here. And yes, in the soil of pain is wisdom. Yep. And we really grow tremendously through that. And you say in the book, you know, people that, work through these kind of things, become the healers and the, you know, the helpers in this world. We tend to pay it forward. Yeah. Like you and me, because you had a Yeah, like whoever had a narcissistic parent, what was the only option was to get to therapy because we couldn't get it off us. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Right. You have to work it out. I always say that narcissistic abuse is a blessing in disguise. It's awful but it's a blessing in disguise because it brings it's like everything you need to work on about yourself just floats right up to the surface and you're looking at it and you can't look away it you just can't brings avoid everything it. Yeah. up you know and so you know i gotta work on this i gotta work on this i gotta work on this but you're gonna, like you you're get gonna your be, little list right but you're going to be miserable if you don't so you have to and that is the silver lining of narcissistic abuse. Um, yeah, and I think that's true of this whole life. Like every time, that's the same, that's in the book again, is the first chapter, the abuse or the violence or the sad story. I have a course called Tell Me a Story, and it's once every month I do it with a group of 10 people in a room, and you're, there's a wait list, so it's, it's my way of saying, tell me what happened to you, because my therapist I now run a company with 50 women, so I didn't have time to be doing therapy anymore because I've got this astrology school that runs across the whole world online in the Internet. People come and become astrologers, so I got a little busy. But I didn't want to leave behind my therapeutic ability, so I created this online program called Tell Me a Story where you write with music and a prompt and a circle. And one of the things you find out, it's so powerful, is the deeper the wound that you were handed, the more momentum there is to get a healing. And that's a mm. choice, and I think that's what you're doing. You're helping people take their wounds and turn them into wisdom. And I don't know. I Honestly, I, I feel like when I die and I get home, they're going to say, oh, no, no, don't let her in, because I'm the first thing I'm going to the front desk and say, did you have to use pain <laughs> as a way to wake us up? Like, is there anything else? Oh, gosh. Yeah. You think there might have been a different way. That, that, that's what astrology is for, by the way. Astrology, especially for children, which is why I love astrology for children, because if you can figure out early on what their sensitive points are, where their challenges are, and it's not the parent's fault. Everybody comes in with karma. That's in the book. 
and the karma describes what you're going to learn this life. And you can see it in the chart, but you can see it even brighter by the result of your life. Like you can look at your life and go, someone was just telling me his brother was this incredible, you know what, maybe narcissist. I'm not even diagnosing. I don't want to say that word because it's so overdiagnosed, but his brother completely disregarded the family, and now his mom and dad died, and now his brother's coming back for all the money. Like, mm-hmm. And I just said, is 101 karma that guy's one he's going to have karma demanding money from someone that he never took care of the parents they died over a period of three years he was gone for seven he's coming back and asking for the money and the question is you know the guy was asking me the question was how does that what's wrong with him i was like this is just a karmic tech that he was going to play the role in the family of the black sheep and then everyone would get triggered and then the kid would feel it's like it's like a movie with a script Mm -hmm. The thing about astrology I love so much is it puts the observer on, which is what the book is about. Turn on the observer, which is a neutral, curious voice that goes, huh, I wonder what I'm supposed to be learning. Or, huh, I wonder how to take that person out of my life, because you know this is probably better than anyone's. When there's the narcissist, you're allowed to say, no, you're not, I don't want to play with you. <laughs> so that's, that's, right. that's another piece of karma. Like you're allowed to step off and say, this isn't working for me. It's so true. And I, I just have this feeling that, you know, my parents and I made this pact uh, because exactly. what they did to me brought me to where I am. And I feel like when I see them on the other side, they're going to be just beautiful souls. And we're going to say thank exactly you. Right. Isn't that crazy? Thank you, right. Thank you for playing that role and helping me grow. See, that's a really take- high level. That took you years to get to because while you're in the <laughs> middle of it, and you're living in that family dynamic. Mm. Certainly true for me when your mom never mm. asked one question about you and you didn't really, like they didn't even know what I did for a living. Mm. My mom, there wasn't once that she'd say, tell me about you. <laughs> oh, gosh. Yeah, it's a, it's a hard road to... Um... But it is a wake up. It is a gift. And now my mom is dead and I'm much closer to her. I like her much better dead. That just sounds terrible. But, I, no, but I've learned... But it's really true. Now I see, you're right. I can totally see that she was a gift in disguise. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but you do have to get to the healing part where you can see that. Let's talk about the elements. <clears throat> so there's water, air, earth, fire. What do we need to know about these different elements? So there are four different personality traits. And the reason why I asked you which one in the book did you relate to, usually someone really relates to one, but you're supposed to relate to all four, so that was a good sign. So one, water, the sensitive part that cries a lot, that feels emotional, that's reclusive, that likes to be alone, that likes to cook and likes the kids and likes the puppies and just really wants quiet and creativity and to be in a musical, magical space where no one bugs them. (laughs) So water people, think of tears coming out of your eyes. It's the sensitivity. And then air is what we're doing right now. Talk, 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 talk. The people that are social, they're airheads. They forget where they're going. They have a million friends. They're always being around people. They're on social media. They're listening to podcasts all day. They just love their mind. It's fascinating. And they are the ones that we consider social animals as compared to water who would rather stay home and don't bug me. 
And then the earth people are the super grounded ones that are on time and they're doing their sort of loving, you know, tax season and doing spreadsheets and Excel sheets and going to Costco and buying Windex and cleaning and organizing and being able to make those sheets where you show the profit margins. And that's the earth people. They're so good at that. And then the fire people are the fun factor. They're loud and they're boisterous and they drink too much and they eat too much and they have a problem with addiction and they have this really physical athletic sensibility that wants to work out all the time and travel all the time and they're a little bit irresponsible. And so these are the four personality types. And then ideally, we should have all four in us to be balanced. That's the goal. Mm. Okay. So I change my status. Now that you've explained it, <laughs> I am water. I am there water you go. all the way. There I am. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and so, then, so there's a predominant one, and then you go and you study at the, the other three. Because what you do in the book, is, as you know, is you take a test in the front of the book, and you see which one you scored highest on. And then the missing element, which is the name of the book, is the one that you get information about. Like, okay, now I know that I don't have enough earth to ground myself or be practical, so I'm going to go learn about it. Or I have too much water. I'm so sensitive that I'm going to learn how to take care of that. So there's lots of different variables. Okay. So what is, what is a crisis of the elements, like the water crisis, air crisis, earth crisis, fire crisis? What, is the, what are the crises? So if it's a water crisis, you're going to end, that's usually illness. They usually have a physical symptom because they don't talk water people. They just implode and they take everything in. So they mm-hmm. often have physical symptoms or they get depressed. They get really depressed and they can't get out of it. And that's a water crisis. Air crises, they're so confused. They can't make a decision for the life of them. They're really literally in and out of relationships because they can't commit or they stop doing relationships entirely because they just can't figure it out. Earth crisis is financial, like they're in a financial crisis or they're actually not feeling good about work and they miserable, they get miserable and grumpy. And a fire crisis is often addiction, like they're in the 12-step program or they overspent or they worked out, they injured themselves and now they've got a temper because they can't figure out what to do with their energy and so they're grumpy. <laughs> it's human nature 101. <laughs> so the observer, you say, is different than our chatty, self-serving ego. What, is the, what, is, what role does the observer play? So the observer is like your higher self, or it's the witness. It's the part of you that like, watches you from a distance. This is a muscle, and not everybody has this where you look at your life and you, the observer is very neutral. Let's start there. I often think of it like a, a detective where it's just watching, it's staring, it's collecting information, it's writing down information, but it's not interpreting it. It's just saying, oh, look, you eat too much rather than you're so fat. <laughs> that would be, that's not an observer. That's a judgment. The observer just notices, wow, you have a tendency to be a loner. And you're in your house again, and boy, you like being alone. And the, the judgment is, you loner, you have no friends, you idiot. So there's a difference between judgment and mm. the observer's neutral position that just watches us. And that's the muscle. That's what the book is really trying to cultivate, is looking at your personality type, not from a place of wanting to change yourself, but from a place of genuinely interested, like, why? But this is, you know, I got to work with these celebrities, as you mentioned, Sting on the front of the book talked about that. Like he thought he was so awkward and so freakish. And then when I did a reading for him, he was like, 
how come you know this so well? I was like, this is predictable. You came in to be this person. Now turn your observer on, stop judging you, and just notice your personality from a neutral place, and suddenly it's okay that you are water and you're so sensitive and you want to be away. That's, there's mm-hmm. nothing wrong with any of these. That's so true. It's, you know, so we all um, should pay attention to our observer. Just it's hard to do, especially when you're in a fight or you're upset. Like, you know, the observer is a muscle, and I've become so good at it, it's interrupting, and you don't want to turn it on when you're making love. It's, like, so stupid. Like, now I have to say to my observer, shut up. I mean, I'm so thankful it's so cultivated because I never get stuck. But then there's times where you're like, did I ask you to turn? I don't remember turning you on. <laughs> That's funny. It's true. But if you, as the more advanced consciousness we get, the less personal we take things, that's the observer. Like, oh, my God, I'm feeling lonely. First, that was an icky feeling. Now I'm just noticing it. And then I go further and go, oh, I have so much water in my chart. I don't want to stop being lonely. Like, it's, it's being able to interpret yourself without wanting to make a call, a judgment call. You know, and it's, it's a muscle, and I don't think any of us are good at it to start with. So I spend a lot of my time, especially in Tell Me a Story, the course that I teach each month, helping people turn on their observer. And I, like one of the prompts I give them is what I can't stop thinking about. And then people write all the stuff, that, <laughs> their internal dialogue, blah, 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 blah. And then suddenly I say, listen, your thought process is sick. I mean, that's not a judgment. That's just true. Why are you saying these mean things to yourself? And then eventually the observer says, wow, you do that all the time, and eventually you stop doing it. And so the observer is the most powerful tool that I have found to change people's lives. That's what therapy is. The therapist becomes your observer. That's a handicap. Mm -hmm. You want to become your own observer. Interesting. So... I guess I say it in a different way. Um, I talk about um, external validation versus internal validation. And um, so many people are used to being being validated from the outside that they are, they feel, they fear walking through life because they need everybody to tell them who they are. But the, um, the, inner is you know the one who knows how to validate themselves so it's a little bit different but it's along the same line and you say yeah, um, yeah. you say no one can ever make you angry when you're in your observer well that's the that was i that's a funny story i'm glad you read that that was my friend june poe who said you know you no one ever makes me angry i i i that's a very high sentence like someone cuts you off on the road, there's no observer, and you give the guy the finger. <laughs> you know, all the spirituality goes out the window. You're pissed off. You're barking. You're screaming, and then you come back to your senses. And you're like, oh, sorry, sorry, and that's because the observer is nowhere to be found. If the person cuts you off on the road, and your observer's on, will you get angry? You're still going to get angry, but you're going to say to yourself, ah, look at me, I got triggered. And as soon as you have that awareness of watching yourself, you're free, er, freer. <laughs> yeah. How how do the four elements relate to the very beginning of time? So you say in the Bible, in the first chapter, we see the elements in the same order. How how do we relate to that for those people so who it's, like the Bible so and know it? 
In the, do you know the Tarot deck? I don't know how many of your listeners would be interested, but the Tarot deck is a very, very ancient tool that was put in place in the 15th and And what the Tarot deck does, it talks about the magician at the early stage of the, of the deck, which has four elements sitting on his table. Hmm. Are you there? Deborah? Deborah? We lost Deborah. Oh, come back, Deborah. This is so interesting, isn't it? I love, um, I love people like this. We can learn so much from them. And it, it gives such a different perspective on life. And that's why I do this show. I do this show because I want you, the listener, to have all different ways, all different perspectives of how to live your life. And not, there's not one for everybody. Sometimes we have to have, sometimes we have a perspective that's unique to us, but other people don't get it. So if you can grasp onto one of the things that we cover in these shows, then you're doing really well. All right, we need Deborah to come back. I wonder if she knows she dropped. Let's see. Text her and see if she knows that she dropped. Oh, she's back. We were so worried about you. What happened? I know my phone died in the middle of that, and Mercury's not even retrograde. What the? I don't know what that uh-huh. was. Yeah, it happens. It happens. Okay. <laughs> Sorry about that. <laughs> That's okay. Um, so we were talking about the, you know, the, the, the elders and the tarot and the magician and how everything in this reality is based on four elements. Uh, okay. So let's focus a little more on water. Um, <laughs> That's so cute. <laughs> let's focus a little bit more on water. Okay. Okay. So, um, Water, so you talk about the strengths of water, the shadows of water, the energies and keywords of water, Um, the strengths of water, the ability to be in stillness, to accept pain and pleasure without preference, Uh, the shadow of water, overly protective and guarded, giving away boundaries, complaining about always giving and never receiving. Okay, we get that. So uh, talk a little more about the strengths, the strengths and shadows of water. I think the big thing is the power of water at its highest level is the Dalai Lama, the meditator who knows how to not take things personally and take it up. You know, he's, he's an example where his whole world's been destroyed. He'll never go back to the Portala, to where his community was up in the Napoleon um, Tibetan mountains. He can't go up there. He has to live in India. So he, he has all the reason in the world as an emotional being to be sad. But he's learned to meditate and to take that pain body and go into stillness and do prayers and forgive. In my book, the, the Water Chapter, which is one of my favorite stories you may have read, is a guy from New York City. He was 25 years in the fire department in New York City. He retired on September 9, 2001. On September 11, 2001, he was flying over the city to head towards Hawaii. He was coming to live in the place where I spent a lot of time. And he looked out the window, and there was the fire 
at the World Trade Center, which was his firehouse right down oh the street. Gosh. Wow. The plane landed in Ohio. He drove back, and everyone, including the guy that took his job, died. So he then had to go and discover, how do I forgive the men that killed my entire his, you know, and how did he get out of New York the day before? Like, it was, the whole thing was he was he is such an amazing man, and he's a it's funny because he's a water sign even though he's a fireman, and it's in my book. And you and you see that water at the highest level is just like you talked about your parents. How do I forgive the unforgivable? How do I take the peaceful, meditative Dalai Lama attitude that says, "I'm so sad, I'm so distraught." I mean, that could have been the imprint of the rest of his life. Like, that could have been, I will never be able to heal. But instead, the high road of water is the healer. And that's what he did. Hmm. That's a great story. What are, there's um, four different stories in the book. Every, every chapter has a story. There's incredible stories. I don't know if you got to that part. but um, I scanned them. <laughs> um, so... Water, you separate water women from water men. What is the difference between water women and water men? Well, it's hard. I mean, this is that story of the fireman. He, until that story happened to him in New York where everybody sincerely broke his heart, he couldn't cry. So fire water men turn to ice, numb. They can't cry anymore. And water women at their worst can't stop crying. <laughs> they become, <laughs> you know, it's just everything hurts their heart and they always cry at the commercials and everything's so sensitive. And, you know, I can see it in your chart. I'm looking at your chart. You are a sensitive. So the low road of water, especially for women, is being too sensitive to the point where it's distracting. And the low road of men is they get numb. I mean, it's funny to say that, but men that have strong water will get numb. Hmm. What is the story of air? That's my favorite. Well, I shouldn't say that. Um, you have a lot I had of a friend. I had a so there's only one story for each. But in the air chapter, I had a I shouldn't say I had a nanny. My kids had a nanny, and she knew she was pen paling a guy in prison because her friend worked at San Quentin and then I said I'll help so I started pen paling him so for 27 years a man was black man in prison in San Quentin I started pen paling him every Monday morning for about 13 years and then one day I was telling the story to Sting into a group of my wealthy clients and they were like why don't you get him out of there because he was in for a wrong cause so I went and got a lawyer I got a fund and I went actually and got him out of prison after 27 years. And oh. I took a video with me the day he got off the boat, like the boat, the bus, literally, with shackles on his hand and his feet. And it's the air story is how friendship can change someone's life. And all it was was I kept writing to him and I communicated and I went to the lawyers. And the next thing you knew, he got out of prison. He's been out now for, I want to say, 12 years. And he's married and he has grandchildren and he's the happiest guy. And it was the first time a black man in Los Angeles had gotten freed to become out of that prison in like 50 years. So he set the precedent and the doors opened and, and freedom. So air is all about taking a deep breath in a land of freedom. And Kenny, I'm so in love with Kenny. So Kenny's this very, he's an ancient being to me. He spent 27 years in prison and never once acted out. 
and never once had a bad mark on it. So he was wrongly accused. He was there for 27 years. Can you imagine? And came out, and now Kenny's freed, and the air chapter is friendship should never be underestimated. Wow. Well, it sounds like you and Kenny had a soul connection. Exactly, <laughs> yes. And we right? still do. We I talk mean... all the time. We talk all the time. And, you know, it's just so funny whenever I'm with them. I, I When he got out of prison, I went and stayed with them for a week, and I looked around and thought, how did I end up here? There's an incredibly strong black community and this little white Jewish girl in the middle of it that I felt completely – I still feel completely at home with them. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, That's gosh. error. Error I, is colorblind. Error, error doesn't have any boundaries. There's nothing written on the ground to separate us. And so part of my tell me a story is people tell error is telling the stories. It's verbal. It's words. It's using words to liberate us. And how we become friends with each other is by talking. So that's a big part of the um, I, I am an error sign. Okay. What are One the of my strength, elements. What are the strengths of error and the shadow of error? Is they're dippy and they talk all the time about nothing. They talk all day. They talk about nothing. <laughs> At the low level, air people just have a superficial quality and they're slitty and they're fickle and they're lighthearted and they're dippy. <laughs> That's the low level. The high level is they're articulate, they're poetic, they're wonderful friends, and they're loyal. The low level is they're promiscuous and they're duplicitous. Hmm. Look at so, that. She's um, learning something today. This is yeah, what happens no, on your I, show. You're always learning something. I, You know what? I tell people, I, I've gone to, like, the best university in the world. I learned <laughs> so much. I learned so much here from everybody. <clears throat> okay, so let's move on to Earth. Um, what's the story you want to tell us about Earth? That's so great. It's my favorite. There I go again. I'm so full of it. Well, it's, it's the story of two people who own a lumber yard. They did it anonymously. They wouldn't let me tell their names. But they've had a company for now it's probably about 65 years. They have an incredible amount of employees. And they buy homes for their employees that are beautiful homes. And they rent it to them for like $1,000 because they run their whole company in the name of community. So Earth is practicality and how do we distribute our money, how do we take care of our food, and that particular story is they literally use their money to serve their employees. And it's so radical. And, um, yeah, the secret is it's my best friend. Don't tell anyone. <laughs> and she and her husband have a lumberyard where they literally serve their, they serve their employees more than they serve their customers. Everything's about creating. So they share. They share their wealth. They have profit sharing in their company, and it's just so inspirational. That's so amazing. What wonderful people. Yes. And then now I have to do fire just because you've asked. So, and, the, and then we have to get ready to go because I'm on such a tight schedule here. But the, okay. the fire chapter is, you probably know this, Earthbound Farms. Earthbound Farms is um, every time you go to the grocery store and there you buy salad at the Whole Foods, there's a box mm-hmm. they put the salad in. Oh, yeah. And it's called Earthbound Farms. You remember that? I remember seeing that, that name, yes. Yeah, because that's – so these are two – this is the fire chapter. The husband and wife are both fire, and they did not know – it's the funniest story. They never took a, a, um, an 
agricultural class in their life. They just didn't want to put the pesticides. <laughs> so funny. They didn't want to put the pesticides on this farm. They were sitting on it because they got to this farm because they couldn't pay for um, housing when they were in college. And the guy said, you can take care of my farm, and I will give you, no, you instead of rent. And then here's this little um, cupboard that had all the pesticides, the little cabin outside. The husband opened it up, and he was like, I can't stand the smell. So instead of using pesticides, he started growing salad without pesticides, started putting it in a bag, and then he became the biggest organic farm in the world. And uh, it's fire. They just had the courage to do something they never did. They didn't even know what they were doing. It's kind of funny. And that's fire people. They just take the risk. They jump off the cliff. They don't even know what they're doing. They're totally spontaneous. And they ended up becoming superstars. And, in fact, next week, the woman, Myra Goodman, who was in the book, is interviewing me uh, on her podcast. That's so funny. Oh, Really? Yeah, I don't think it's a pocket. I don't even know. She just, she, what happened to Myra was she took the astrology class and she, like probably you, just so slightly believed in it, took the class level one, and she's now absolutely in love with astrology. And despite her skepticism, because I teach it very simply, she's completely fallen in love with it. Very exciting. So, so what are the pros and cons or the shadows and benefits? Uh, fire. At their worst, they're obnoxious fire people. They're loud and they bump into things and they spend too much and they eat to their bossy and their show offs. I have to say, you have a lot of fire. Just letting you know that, Randy. <laughs> okay. They get super excited, super enthusiastic. They spend too much. They have to. They, they're too blunt. They say things. You're like, what did you just say? But at their best, <laughs> they inspire us and we feel like, wow, thank you for being so honest. I'm sure that's one of your traits. You're very oh, honest. Oh my gosh. And I'm very blunt, yes. You, exactly. You, right. Either you can take what I have to say because I'm not going to beat around the bush. I'm going to say it. And if you can handle that, great. Otherwise, I'm not for you. <laughs> exactly. That's fire. <laughs> the upside yeah. is you never have to wonder. The downside is you never have to wonder. Right. Oh, gosh. Okay. Very cool. Oh, my gosh. I'm learning so much. So, Deborah, tell us how these all relate to astrology. How the elements well, it's relate. the basis. All the Egyptian, the, the Hawaiian culture is all based in the four elements. Egyptian astrology is all based in the four elements. The American Indians all based in the four directions. The, the Buddhists have four noble truths. Everything's four. So it's just a very ancient system. Been here since the beginning of time. But astrology is not four, is it? I mean, there's... there's yes, it is. It's, all, it's four times three. It's four elements. And there's three signs for each, so it's 12. But everything's based on the four elements in astrology. Really? So what element? Everything is based on the four elements. Very interesting. I didn't know that. Um, So what what signs would be associated with um, water? So it's Cancer, Scorpio, and Pisces. You're Scorpio rising. Air is Gemini, Libra, Aquarius. Earth is Taurus, Virgo, Cap. And fire is Aries, Leo, Sag. But in the book, you don't have to know your sons. You don't have to even believe in astrology for the missing element to be of value to you. You know, I'm teaching this um, June, every Wednesday in June, I'm teaching a class on the planets. It's called Meet the Planets. But you can, and your audience can sign up for free at meettheplanets.com just to get in the loop. And then we will tell you about the upcoming classes. I'm just starting a new school that is just 
one-off classes at a time, like one class on the elements, for example, one class on the planets, one class on um, the houses, so people can learn simply. And you teach people how to do astrology, right? Other than I that, sure do. You know, beyond curiosity, if people really want to learn this and become astrologers, you teach yes, them. we have an entire program where people become, like leave their old job, they become an astrologer, and they make a lot of money. We get, you know, I have all the certified astrologers. And I do this thing called, you're going to love this, matchmaking, where I sing matchmaker, matchmaker, make me a match, find me a find. <laughs> Which, all you have to do is send me your birthday, and I'll match you up with one of our certified astrologers. And they came in like you, not knowing a thing, and then they became professional astrologers, and now they're making money. It's such a cool thing. Hmm. And astrology, I mean, you set to chart everything by hand. Now there's programs where you can do it, right? You can computerize. Yeah, you push a button and you can see everything. Yeah, no math involved. I can't do math. <laughs> but astrology um, tells us the past. It tells us the present. It tells us the future. It's, it's so much more than just, um, you know, what we're about or what our personality traits are, right? Well, I don't do predictive astrology very much. It certainly is capable of doing that. And yes, I can do that. And my students are trained to do that. But mostly it is about personality assessment and understanding your purpose and being able to see the timing of when your purpose is coming. Okay. Okay. Thank you. So what time do you have to be out? What time do you have to leave us? In about two minutes. (laughs) Okay. All right. So tell us us how we can contact you, what your website is, and how we can get your book. Real quick. So, so Deborah Silverman Astrology, super easy, as uh, my website. Um, if you want to sign up for the free classes, the um, entrance level is meettheplanets.com. And then if you love writing and you want to come do Tell Me a Story, it's just um, T-M-A-S, like T-M-A-S. Like X, like I always think of it as Christmas with a T, tmoss.com, and you can sign up for Tell Me a Story. And then the book is on Amazon, and it, we sell it from my site with the chart inside the book. So, mm. yeah. With the person's chart? Yeah, with your chart. We, uh-huh. Oh, wow. Okay. And so we just go to your site for that. Yes. Deb, com, Right. Deborah, no, Deborah Silverman Astrology. G. Astrology. Deborah Silverman G. Astrology. Yes. Astrology.com. Perfect. Okay. I'm glad we got that straight. All right. I'm going to yes. let you go. Uh, I know you're a busy lady. And um, thank you. I learned a lot from you. This is fun. This is really a fun topic. I'm so topic. glad. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Come to meet the planets. It's the simplest low-hanging fruit that you can come in, or low-hanging stars, I like to say, um, to come begin the study program of how to learn about this whole thing. Yeah. Come on in. Okay. Thank you. All right. I will. Thank you so much. What a pleasure. That was a great interview. Good. Have a great day. Take care. You too. Bye-bye. Thank you. Bye. Um, okay, so we are out of time today, but if you have any comments or questions about today's show, you can email me at loveyourlife, loveyourlife at randyfine.com. Randy is R-A-N-D-I, loveyourlife at randyfine.com. May joy and serenity always be yours. Goodbye. We hope you enjoyed today's show. Visit randyfine.com, R-A-N-D-I-F-I-N-E.com. And be sure to sign up to receive updates on the latest blog posts, events, and upcoming shows. Thank you for listening.